three, two, one. This is the Insiders Podcast. It's about really making sure there's a genuine and authentic story to tell um, and something we can lean into. And so for us, it's always been about sticking true to who we are and making sure that we're telling that story in the most you know, clear and consistent manner so that consumers can resonate with, with who we are and therefore start to understand the products that we create and why we have an advantage and why they should trust us. That's Mandish Dosanjh, president and CEO of Pure Sun Farms. He joins me today to talk about the biz and where Pure Sun Farms is headed in 2021 and beyond. Enjoy. Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. All right, let's jump right in then. Um, what's it like to run a cannabis company? Uh, I think the, the easiest word to use is exciting. Um, there's lots of challenges. I mean, it's a nascent industry, uh, we all know. And while there's a lot of firsts in everything we do, uh, there's a lot of just building and, and constant improvement and learning. Uh, and, and exciting is the word to, that I use to describe it. It's challenging, but it's so rewarding. And uh, I love every minute of it. What did your parents say when you uh, said you were transitioning your career into the cannabis space? Um, I joined Career Sun Farms in 2018. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I was part of legalization with the Ontario Cannabis Store and the LCBO. And that's kind of how I got my start into cannabis. So, you know, the conversation was pretty, um, made a lot of sense for a lot of people because I'd already mm-hmm. been kind of working in the industry for the government. And there wasn't a lot of surprise. If anything, I think people were just uh, excited for me and my family and the opportunity. And oddly enough, while we've definitely seen some people early on who were very uh, hesitant about the launch of cannabis and kind of the impacts and effects, in my circle, amongst my family and friends, people were just excited and uh, were really thrilled that we were, you know, I was getting the opportunity to do it. Prior to Sun Farm and I guess LCBO, uh, would you have considered yourself a cannabis guy? So I, I grew up in Ontario, and so you know cannabis was around like it is you know with most teenagers and, and adolescent youth and university, and it was just weed, and you know there wasn't much of this cannabis discussion, and so I had my moment, uh, you know, experimentation trying it. But as I got older, it wasn't just something that resonated in my life, and I think that was just through accessibility and understanding. And then as I got older and started to work um, more more in the alcohol industry, and as my life evolved, you know, kids and, and a family and such. I started to look for alternatives uh, recreationally mm-hmm. and having kind of, again, been part of the industry in 2016, 17, as it was launching, I started to learn about vape, vape pens and CBD and different cannabinoids. So I actually kind of revisited it uh, before I jumped right back into the cannabis industry, bought my first you know, vape pen from the, from the gray market. Mm-hmm. And now since taking over Pure Sun Farms, that kind of exploration back into cannabis has only grown trying to understand uh, the products, the effects, um, different strains, different formats, just trying to really get an understanding of what customers and consumers um, experience and want. So while it wasn't something that uh, I spent a lot of time exploring in my early days, I definitely was exposed to it, consumed, tried, and now it's been kind of this reintroduction in my life and, and use it on a fairly regular basis in terms of you know oils and, and capsules, um, vaporizing, a whole flower. So I really enjoyed kind of getting back into it. I looked at your uh, LinkedIn page. You have quite an impressive professional resume. What did your path look like uh, leading up to Pearson Farms? How did you end up there? Yeah, so born and raised in Ontario. I did my engineering degree at the University of Toronto in industrial engineering. 
And somehow it wasn't really charted, but uh, I fell into a career after that in the Canadian retail landscape. And that's where I spent the bulk of, I mean, all of my career prior to coming over to Pure Sun Farm. So I'm a retail guy. Mm-hmm. Started at Loblaw Companies, eight years at Loblaws, I'm the largest retailer in Canada. Really cut my teeth in the engineering and supply chain world, operations. Um, was able to bring Joe Fresh to Canada. It was a very pivotal moment in my career. And wow. Where I got exposed to launching a new brand and, and working within a you know a grocery empire and how do you in- introduce a fast fashion brand and, and business unit? Stayed there for eight years. Um, ended up doing some strategy work, working within the retail operations arena. From there, I moved over to Aritzia, so privately held. It was privately held at the time when I joined them and moved up to Vancouver for the first time. Yeah. Again, in an operations capacity, but helped them launch e-commerce and, and look at some growth in the U.S. with new stores. And, and then it was a series of other retailers, Target Canada and Longo's, which is another privately held grocery company. So I spent about a decade in the grocery industry, mm-hmm. worked in fashion with Aritzia, uh, and then in hard goods, um, again, with Target. And then I think what was pretty interesting was that the last two years before joining Pure Sun Farms, I was a senior vice president at the LCBO, the Liquor Board of Ontario. Wow. And so I ran all uh, supply chain operations for the liquor entity, uh, our inventory, our, our lab department, our quality assurance department. I also owned our wholesale sales, so all the sales that were happening um, through the grocery channel as beer and wine launched in grocery, mm-hmm. and and all of our um, independent wine operators. So it was, it was a healthy portfolio on the sales side and operations side, but what was very interesting there, Michael, was that I joined just as Trudeau was signaling legalization. And uh. what happened, as we know, is that you know the federal legislation came through, and it, it turned they turned it over to the provinces to decide how they wanted retailing and wholesaling to look in their provinces. And that was a bit of a hook, um, hope, desire as I joined the LCBO that that might happen, and that's the way it played out. So I was part of the executive team, four of us, that were kind of tasked with in early days, 2016, 17 exploring cannabis nationally, but also what it could mean for Ontario. Right. And at that time, we were working under the uh, the Liberal government before uh, the Conservatives took over and really starting to chart that course. So again, um, it's all been through retail operations, building brands, transforming teams, which was kind of my career experiences before uh, being asked to, to join Pure Sun Farms. Sound like the right guy for the job, that's for sure. You got me at uh, Aritzia. I think if I had your job at Aritzia, my wife would have never let me leave there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I want to talk about yeah. Pure Sun for... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it, was, it was, you know, they're all been great stops along the way. And yeah, absolutely. No doubt, at Aritzia, it was incredible and uh, being able to get some discounts for the, for the people in my life was, was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about Pure Sun a bit. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, marketing and advertising because it's so restrictive and sometimes I find... Let's talk since legalization in the sort of uh, tight-knit cannabis community for legal products. I find that it can be a bit of a popularity contest sometimes. And I think early on, the first few years, uh, Supreme did really well. A lot of respect. A lot of people talked highly of them. But you guys have sort of made your own space in that sort of uh, respect world. Now, when people in the cannabis circles in the cannabis space, people who I think probably know a bit more about the legal cannabis market than others talk about Pearson Farms. People like what you guys do. So what do you attribute to that? Yeah, and thank you for those comments. Um, it's definitely been a journey. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about uh, a lot of this and everything we've done here has been very intentional. And it started with understanding where we thought we could win and how we could build a compelling organization and therefore compelling products and a compelling brand. And at the end of the day, we're growers at heart. And, and we've really, you know, 
we've really leaned into some certain philosophies of, you know, crawl, walk, run, you know, go slow. Mm -hmm. It's not about being first. It's about really making sure there's a genuine and authentic story to tell um, and something we can lean into. And so for us, it's always been about sticking true to who we are and making sure that we're telling that story in the most you know, clear and consistent manner so that consumers can resonate with, with who we are and therefore start to understand the products that we create mm. and why we have an advantage and why they should trust us. And in doing that, it was all about telling the story of being BC-based, mm-hmm. being growers at heart, and making sure that our brand personifies not just what we do, but who we are. Right. And so really leaning into our values of humility and empathy, you know, just kind of taking that humble farmer growers at heart approach yeah. and telling the story of BC Bud. And so while we didn't do it splashy or loud at the, at the outset, you know, we took our time to think through it carefully and thoughtfully. Yeah. And you, you said it earlier, it's an interesting landscape to be able to market and advertise in cannabis, unlike other CPG and retail environments that I am used to. Yeah. So we really wanted to make sure that we could build a brand and we've decided to make everything under the Pure Sun Farms brand for now to keep it simple. Because it's very hard for consumers to remember anything or to try to convey that message. And we knew we wanted to put all our equity behind the Pearson Farmers brand and, and hopefully customers would remember that and, and remember us. Well, let's talk about branding for a second. Um, obviously, with retail packaging, you have certain limitations. But overall, the Pearson Farms graphic design is very unique. What's the story behind that? The story behind that is just about telling that story about who we are. Um, you know, we talked about uh, having a creative utility mm. to our brand aesthetic, being very clean and um, having that creative element, uh, but with an with an element of you know humility and and beautifulness, but connected back to who we are, uh, being growers at heart. And when I joined the organization, I really thought through how we were going to create that brand identity and who were the right partners. And, you know, I did some searching and we found a firm that we work with um, out of British Columbia, who is pretty prominent in kind of the BC landscape, not in cannabis, we're their first and only cannabis client. And so it was about getting the right firm that I thought could bring to life the attributes that I speak about, about mm-hmm. who we are, not just as growers, but as an organization. And we've built the team internally to make sure we bring aboard the right people who who value those same things and, and see kind of the brand development uh, similarly. And I think you're going to continue to see that expansion and extension through um, other products that we bring to market. I got a question on Twitter by someone by the name of at Slurricane6. Now, what they had asked was, would they entertain large-scale investments like Constellation uh, did with Canopy? However, you guys are under the Village Farms umbrella, I guess. So what involvement does Village Farms have with Pearson? Are they kind of like your Constellation to Canopy? Yeah, I mean, our, our path started out differently in the sense that we were, uh, Pearson Farms was founded as a joint venture between Village Farms and Emerald Health Therapeutics. The 5050 JV, where Village Farms is, you know, being one of the leaders in greenhouse growing in North America, decided to enter the cannabis space mm-hmm. and decided to do that through a joint venture with Emerald Health, who already had licensing in the space. And then just recently, it was announced that Village Farms has acquired uh, the full 100% ownership of Pure Sun Farms. Okay. And I always say that you know joint ventures aren't always meant to last forever, and it was something we all went into with eyes wide open that there might come a path where one shareholder might want to take over the full entity or. or such, and that's what occurred. So now we're a wholly owned subsidiary of Village Farms. We operate completely independently in Canada, and we have the ability to do you 
know, whatever we choose to do, whether it's in the United States or internationally. I mean, we're focused on Canada to begin with. Yeah. And so, yeah, I report up into to Mike DeGilio, who's the CEO and founder. He was very influential in, in bringing me aboard to Pure Sun Farms. And we've had a great relationship and we just continue to foster that. And we're really excited by the opportunity now. Um, you know, having one owner, it, it can simplify things mm-hmm. in terms of direction and, and strategy and, and future investments. So to answer your earlier question about, you know, would we look at making other investments? You know, we're always interested in, in growing the business and looking at various opportunities. We've been steadfast in our approach around greenhouse grown and being BC based. That's mm-hmm. our focus. But for sure, we're always looking at opportunities, whether it's in other product lines. But in terms of growing and cultivation, greenhouses, high tech greenhouses is our is our background and experience. And, and we think you know the Fraser Valley and Delta BC is the best place to do that. So I wouldn't expect us to do anything outside of that. But again, you know, other product lines, uh, brands, the time will come when there's other market contraction or opportunities. And yeah. we're constantly evaluating what that might look like and how it might be accretive for our business. And being backed by Village Farms, I mean, they are 100% aligned and looking at those opportunities and you know, with their access to the capital markets and, and their performance, it, mm-hmm. it gives us a lot of opportunities to do things um, that we might decide to undertake. You know, I used to always ask people the size of their facility, and then it became apparent to me that it's irrelevant if they don't have a good product. There's a handful of large growers in Canada, and they're not always the most popular. Um, What do you want people to know about the way that you guys grow cannabis? It's probably more important. And I'll follow with a second question, uh, because you guys are based in Delta, BC, and you mentioned uh, the quality of BC. Is there such a thing as BC Bud anymore, or are those days over? I, I don't think they're over. I think that if anything, you know, BC Bud has one of the most, and you talk about important brands and what consumers know. I mean, BC Bud is recognized globally. I talked to folks in Europe and, and BC has a history and lineage of, of producing great cannabis. And it's it's beyond just the geography. It's also about the growers that have been around cannabis that have lived and existed in British Columbia that we've been able to assemble uh, in addition to our, our greenhouse growers. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's about a culture. It's about a way of life and, and the integration of cannabis to the everyday and, and how people consume it. And, you know, you asked about what do I want people to know about us? Yeah. I think it's it's about our love. You know, we have a pure love of plant and producing all natural quality BC bud and just sharing that journey with consumers. I think that's the most important thing to us. You know, that's how you build the trust and identity with a consumer. Mm-hmm. And it's about telling that story about who we are and why it's important that we're in BC and carrying that lineage of you know, great growth. You've had a few years to uh, put some products out to market now, and you've probably seen what works and what doesn't. What are you guys focusing on now for the consumer market? Flower will always be um, our core. It will always be our guiding light and path, just given what we, we know we can excel at. And it's going to be the staple and the foundation for everything we do. Mm-hmm. And from that, it's going to be a springboard. And we've started to do that um, whole flower, obviously, we start with. We've launched pre-rolls of those same strains. We've gone into full-spectrum vape pens. Again, it's about telling that story of those beautiful strains that we grow all natural, pesticide-free, and, and really kind of extending the product portfolio into other product lines. Um, so flower, pre-rolls, vapes, and launched our tinctures, our, uh, our CBD tinctures. Um, and we're going to look at other opportunities and, and look at whether it's the edible space or, or continuing products. But it all comes from that BC story, BC bud, and, and the strains that we cultivate in the flower mm. space. I have a couple different uh, vape pens uh, produced by you guys, and they're they're great, by the way. Um, <laughs> so g- good work. Keep going. Um, how has the pandemic affected your business? I read online that you guys, in fact, had a couple employees who have had COVID. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the COVID has been an interesting time. I mean, it's definitely thrown some challenges for everybody in the industry. Um, and for us, I mean, we really early out of the gates put in a lot of health and safety protocols, um, worked with Workplace BC and some of the local regulators and were commended on how quickly we moved, you know, going to remote work where we could, separating mm-hmm. people, employees. You know, we hired a registered nurse, uh, someone who wasn't working on the front lines or was eligible to work on the front lines, but came in and really helped us focus on health and wellness um, in the workplace. You know, we were deemed an essential business by the government. We didn't lay anybody off. In fact, we're actually growing. And on the product side, we were able to launch our, our one-ounce bags at an appropriate time. So we were able to kind of fortuitously launch some products that were um, in high demand as people pantry loaded. Mm-hmm. But like all like all businesses, you know, we're actively screening employees, putting in the right protocols. Um, I don't think anybody knows anybody that hasn't been affected or knows someone that uh, has come down with COVID. Yeah. But for us, it's just working collaboratively with the local health agencies, considering that we're deemed essential service, working with the health office, uh, supporting that, and keeping our employees safe. So regular communication around what we're doing, what measures we're taking, and just really creating an environment uh, of safety and belonging so that if people aren't feeling well, they put their hand up and not come on site mm-hmm. and make sure they have that access to the right protocol. So we've been really supportive in all angles, not just about what's happening on site, but, but regular communication and making sure we synthesize the information from public health mm-hmm. so that our employees are in, I think in this time more than ever, employees look to their employer to get some of the information. And so we've really tried to be a source of that information for employees and pointing them in the right direction and just making sure everyone is, is healthy and well and, and keeping our business running. Right. Would you say that COVID has in fact encouraged consumers to go out and buy more or stock up with cannabis? We've definitely seen the data that shows that, you know, during times of immediate lockdown where governments say, hey, you know, stores will shut at this point. Yeah. You know, we heard anecdotally just in Ontario recently that there was lineups in, in some of the stores leading up to the kind of move to curbside. So we've definitely seen some lifts um, in certain weeks and months as people begin to pantry load. Yeah. We definitely saw a shift from kind of what we designate small format, like one, three and a half, seven gram into the 14 and 28 gram. Yeah. Makes sense, right? People are pantry loading. Mm-hmm. So we've definitely seen some changes in behaviors and an increase in some of the online activity where people aren't going to stores and ordering more online. However, I will say that you know, having stores open as a main point of distribution is definitely key. And I think anytime there's a prolonged closing of those stores, you do see a drop off in overall what I call system sales. Mm-hmm. But there are still moments and pockets of, of uh, positivity and increase. And we've just been able to pivot into those quickly with our supply chain and work collaboratively with the provincial cannabis boards to make sure we're in stock and we're keeping the, the pipeline flowing. Enough about 2020, hey, for once. Um, let's talk about what's in the cards for 2021 and beyond for Pearson Farms. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to continue to expand our existing product portfolio and into new product categories. Uh, we're continually moving into new markets across Canada. I mean, today our, our, we announced that we've signed an agreement with Shoppers Drug Mart to mm-hmm. list our, our products on their medical platform. So you're going to continue to see us wow. move into different markets um, on the provincial side, but also there's other opportunities arise. We're, we're gradually looking at international exportation opportunities and you know, marching down the path of looking at GMP certification for our flower products. Mm-hmm. We've built and uh, are running our internal extraction operations, and we're also looking in the 
We're expanding into our second facility, which is literally across the street. We received our cultivation license from Health Canada uh, earlier this year on the facility across the street, which is a mirror image of the one we're currently operating in. We parked construction on that when COVID hit, just not understanding where the, you know the pandemic would take supply and demand. Oh, for sure. So we're actively going to be you know finishing that and, and ramping that up and looking to have that in production next year. And then on the other piece of that is we're hiring. I mean, if you look at our careers page, I mean, we have an abundance of roles. We're steadily growing. Um, so I think the new products, the new markets, the continued expansion of our operations means more growth for Pearson Farms, and we're really excited by it. Nice. Well, I guess you guys are uniquely positioned talking about international uh, with your relationship to Village Farms being U.S.-based. And, you know, we're all optimistic about the possibility of cannabis being legalized federally in the U.S. at some point in our lifetime. Um, So that will be interesting to watch as well. One person on Twitter also asked about an update on Quebec, and I don't know too, too much about that, but are you guys currently in Quebec? So currently we're not in Quebec. We're in the process of working with the government to get registered as a, as a company that can operate in Quebec. Okay. And we're having active dialogue with the, um, the folks, the board in Quebec about what products uh, they want to see in market uh, and just their growth. So it's, it's high on our radar. We're working collaboratively with that uh, cannabis board to understand what timing can look like. And we're hopeful that uh, we can make some, some announcements you know, in the, in the months ahead or the weeks ahead. And uh, it's definitely high on our priority list. Yeah. And we'll update uh, consumers as soon as we have some information. Final question. This one's easy. I guess Dosange is a, probably a pretty common, it's a Punjabi name, right? Correct. Any relation to Ujjal Dosange? No, there is not. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I love your products. So it was a pleasure for me to interview you today. Thanks, Michael. It was a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Take care, Mandish. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. All right, shout out to Danielle and the team at Pure Sun Farms for setting this one up. To find out more about them, check out puresunfarms.com or just pop into your friendly neighborhood cannabis store and ask for them. If you like what I do, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you have a story to tell, reach out to me, Michael, at distinctmedia.ca. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Insiders Podcast. We do our very best to be as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a topic interests you, we're happy to have brought it to your attention, but please take the time to research the details for yourself. To find out more about Insiders Podcast and all of the work that we do, check out distinctmedia.ca.